0: What's up and welcome to the TCP Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Clark. Appreciate everybody for joining in. This is episode two, and uh, I'm super excited about this one. I was able to sit down with a good friend of mine, Atencio Martin. Atencio and I played one year, uh, 2018-19 season, at Southern Maine Community College, and it was it was a dope experience. But a little bit about Atencio. So Atencio was, is a Maine native, grew up in Kittery, um, and he went to Trape. Academy with about 250 kids total, so very small school. Um, he ended up going to SMCC and he really developed. He played two years there 2013 uh, 14 season, tense averaged 10 and a half points, five rebounds, and an assist on 53% from the field, 39% from three. And then the following year, 2014 15, he averaged 13.7 points per game. rebounds and 1.7 assists on 53% from the field and 32% from three Uh, tense was named a first team all-conference and national first team all-american that year From that point. He then went on to USM uh, University of Southern Maine and was very successful there as well He then moved to Illinois with his sister and took about two years off away from basketball Uh, 2018-19 was when he and I Met and played on the same team and that's when he came back to southern Maine community college uh, this was the year that He ultimately became player of the year first team all-conference first team all-american Averaging 17 points per game 10.2 rebounds 3.6 assists on 52.9 percent from the field and 43.8 percent from the three so a very efficient year for him To say the least, Uh, he logged in three games with 30 plus points and seven with 20 plus points Uh, After that, Atencio was able to play overseas in Armenia, where again, he was super successful and um, That was kind of the theme of his Of his basketball career, wherever he went, he was able to find some success Um, Him and I talk about that, his journey from community college to to overseas professionally and um there's a lot of good gems in there a lot of good nuggets so i think you guys really like it i think you guys really really enjoy Atencio. he's a great guy um intellect super smart dude super grounded down to earth um good friend of mine so i think you guys will really enjoy this take a lot away from me so let's get it What's going on, everybody? This is Tyler Clark from the TCP Podcast, TC Performance. Um, this is going to be episode two, and I'm going to have my guy Atencio Martin on here with me. Um, we're at his crib right now, and I will let him take the floor. Introduce yourself. Uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself, some history. Not happy to
1: be here. Thanks, man. Um, like he said, my name is Atencio Martin. Uh, Played some ball with Tyler in the past, um, played at the uh, community college level, went to a small high school in Maine, and then went to a Division three school, finished out my career playing uh, professionally in Armenia, and now I'm just a, a retired weekend warrior playing in the men's league
0: circuit. Retired weekend warrior. Um, all right. I feel like you probably could have did yourself some more justice there, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Um, all right, so for anybody that it may apply to, what was the process like getting into a college sort of under recruited? Because Trape was for, I'll talk about it in the intro too, but Trape Academy, 10th Point there, it's in Kittery, Maine. Um, pretty small school. How, how many kids are there? I think like 270. Yeah, so like very, very small. Um, Maine in general probably isn't the greatest recruiting state for basketball, but um, yeah, just for some insight for people that may be under recruited coming out of high school, what was that process like?
1: Yeah. So I, I was recruited actually only by one coach, yeah. which is coach Richards who coached at SMCC. Um, it was tough. I, I didn't play a U. Um, my high school coach wasn't really helpful in like, I'd say promoting me to schools in the area. Um, so it was really hard coming from a small school. I had to go to a lot of like showcases in the summers. I went to a couple camps in Philly um, to try and just get college looks. But honestly, I wasn't a very developed player at the time. So I'm not surprised that I really wasn't recruited well. Um, looking back now, I realize I really didn't know how to play basketball. I was just mostly athletic and, uh, and bigger than... Than most guards in Maine. But did you did you go to those camps your senior? year? So I started going my sophomore like the summer going into my junior year. Yep. Um, and I went to two camps that summer, and then the summer going into my senior year, I went to two camps as well. Um, and I got to play against some actual like some serious players. Like Nolan's Noel was at a, a camp that I played against. Um, Isaiah Whitehead was there He's tough. one one summer when I was playing. So there were some good players. I was not
0: in that category, but it was cool to see kind of where I stacked up. Yeah, especially because, like, <clears throat> like I mentioned, I mean, I guess it depends on where you are in Maine. Like, I know Portland and that whole area is a little bit more developed now yeah. from a basketball standpoint. But definitely being in Kittery, Maine, you, you weren't really exposed to, like, any type of caliber athlete like that. Not never. So that must have been kind of cool, like you said, to experience that. Um, so how, obviously you and I both played at Southern Maine Community College, and how was your experience at the community college level, and why is community college a great option?
1: Yeah, for me, first off, I, it was the best experience being at uh, Southern Maine Community College, and it was a great opportunity for me as someone who was underdeveloped, under-recruited, um, because I was able to essentially just build my game while I was there. Um, I had a goal to play Division One basketball. I wanted to play professional basketball. And I really didn't ever put in time into my game before I went to that to community college. So I think being there was just uh, like huge for me to develop. Um, it was also a tight knit group. There's a bunch of other guys that were similar to me, under recruited from small schools, some from bigger places. Um, but overall it was like we were all kinda looking for our opportunity. So, I mean, I think any player who doesn't really know what they want to do, doesn't have the looks that they want to have, going to a community college is is a good route because you don't have to pay too much. You get to play basketball. You get to develop your game. And then you still have the opportunity after that to go and play somewhere else. For sure.
0: No, I, I would I would 100% agree. Obviously, I played there two years. You ended up playing Three. two years. And then, obviously, transferred over. Right. Moved around a little bit and then came back, ultimately, to finish at SMCC. But, um, like you said, financially, it's a great investment if you're not you know, a division one scholarship athlete and your parents just might not have the greatest financial history. Um, education wise, you know, it's, it's, you can't really beat the education for the price. Right. And it's like, you get all your gen eds, prereqs out of the way. So whenever you do take that next step to a four year college or university, wherever it is, you, you already have those out of the way. And I mean, some people go into college, not even ready for college courses and they have like high school Level courses that you can take to then get prepared for college, so I think overall it's pretty cool, so you went to the University of Southern Maine afterwards, yeah, so what do you think which is a division three uh university, so what do you think the biggest difference between a Division three and a community college level is basketball wise you know competition, physicality, the mental approach to things, coaching styles like what conferences all this stuff yeah
1: it was I thought it was going to be very similar, it was very different um. Division three is a different beast. It's, it's still NCAA, so uh, the way the team was run, that at first, that was the biggest difference, um, is just there's more resources at the school, there's more athletic training, more focus on individual skill development, more focus on strength and conditioning. We had multiple practices a day, um, versus before at, at SMCC, it was usually just like maybe one practice, maybe a lift in the preseason, um, a lot more guys looking to get on the court than than previously. Um, and then when it came to playing, it was uh, you, I think everybody was a little bit more athletic. Um, I wouldn't say maybe across the board, but there were a lot of athletes. The bigs were a little bigger. Um, but I think the biggest difference that I saw when it came to playing was just the competition level was consistent throughout the season. Um, when I was at the community college, there would probably be, I don't know, what, like, five, four or five games
0: a season where it's like, yeah. this is a layup. It also depends on the year, too. Because yeah. I mean, like, at a community college level, it's only two two years. Right. But some people transfer in, you know, one year and they only play one year because whatever grades happen at a different school. So it's definitely, like you said, probably like four or five genuinely, like, good teams that you're going to play in conference like you'll play out of conference games that are high quality competition but yeah. that's probably my only negative about a community college level yeah sometimes there's teams that you blow out by 80 points and it's like this kind of sucks but
1: right and so at usm it was like even in the conference like at the time umass boston was the worst team in our conference yeah. but when we played them we were number two in the conference we probably won by 15 you know and it's like pretty close everybody can play there's some times where we're playing teams uh, SMCC, where it's like these dudes maybe, you know, sat the bench in high school. So I think that was a big difference is like every night was a battle. Um, and, but the, but the play style was very similar, honestly. Same shot clock, same three point line, same ball. So a lot of sets, a lot of, uh, you're playing against a lot of like zone defenses. Um, I think the coach at, at USM was, a little more hands-off when it came to playing. Um, He didn't go as deep into his bench. He didn't want to call a play every time down the court. And that might have been personnel as well. But I felt like we were able to be a little bit more creative there. Um, I personally probably – I went from playing like, I don't know, maybe 26 to 28 minutes a game at SMCC to playing like 38 – averaging like 38 minutes a game. So – how it was, was different. I was out of It was, no, it was good. I felt like I was in shape, so it was fine. And I preferred it, honestly. I didn't really want to come out. Yeah. But um, I think it, we kind of relied on it. So we maybe, it maybe would have been better if we had some more guys where, you know, we wouldn't have to play 40 minutes every night. But uh, I enjoyed it. We, we got to travel too. We went to uh, Arizona for New Year's um, and played a tournament there. We went to New York. We went to Philly. So we got to play a lot of cool games.
0: That's dope. Um, I'm just curious. If you know off the top of your head, obviously you only played with one team at USM, you played with two teams at, or I mean three teams at SMCC, but um, I don't know how many guys stayed with you at SMCC throughout like consecutive teams or years, Right. but just curious, how many guys did you play with or know that went professional from Southern Maine Community College versus like USM? That's a good question. Including Um, yourself, obviously. Including myself, it would be
1: myself. I played with a guard named Jose Nuchantavong, who killed that last name. (laughs) (laughs) Currently plays. uh, He played in Thailand for a a lot of years. Now he's playing in Armenia, going to probably be going back to Thailand. Super successful. Um, Another guy named Thomas Inerva, he played in Thailand as well. Um, Taheem Simon played professionally in Europe. I don't know if I said myself, myself. So, um, and then there was a guy that I played with my freshman year, who played in England. So I'd say there's probably five or six guys from SMCC alone, including myself, that went on to play professionally. Uh, USM there was one player. Um, Zach Leo played one season in in England. So I think it. I think it's a little bit different because. At a four-year school, a lot of these guys, they're engineer, engineering majors, they're athletic training majors, and so their focus is I want to play sports, but I also want to get into my career. Versus at a community college, it's like all these guys came here because they don't want this to be the only place they're going to play. They're yeah. looking to go – to another level so um all those guys i mentioned went on to play at another school after smcc and then played professionally but um you can kind of tell the mindset was a little different
0: no i just i wanted to ask that because i think that's a cool stat i mean five obviously you said for your just for your degree you're getting your degree that's kind of your goal so basketball may not be your main um priority there so Different mindsets for sure, but five to five or six to one is is a cool stat to me because I mean, I you know, shout out community college, community college is a good route. Shout out Coach Richards for that, yeah. Coach Richards, um, Coach AJ Burton, yeah, they're doing a great job there. Um, all right, so next, why don't you talk about your journey then transitioning from college to pro? How was that process? How long was it? Um, you know, between where you ended up. Ultimately, going to Armenia, like what was the process? From how long? How long was the process?
1: Yeah, I think the process is actually longer than most people think. I'd say the process started like two years before I played in Armenia. So I a little bit of background. I went to SMCC for two years. I went to USM for one year, and then I took two years off of playing basketball. Um, I moved to Illinois with my sister. I came back. I wasn't going to school and during that two years my mindset hadn't changed i still wanted to play professionally Um, and i reached out to people that i knew that had previously played coaches in the past who you know wanted to help and they got me in touch with some people who had connections overseas and they all said the same thing which was you don't have any recent game film so it's going to be hard for teams to want to take a chance on a player who hasn't played in two years um so I knew that I was going to have to come back and do something else, get recent film, if that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so I'd say the, the journey probably really started like 2016, 2017. Um, I started training. I started talking to coaches to figure out where am I going to go back and play? Was I going to go to USM and finish my degree there? Was I going to come back to SMCC and play one more season at the community college level? Um and so, ultimately, that's what I chose. And,
0: and this was 2018-19 uh, season, right?
1: Right. So, 2018-19, I came back, played. That was the season I played with you. Yeah. Um, and I I really had to train harder than I've ever trained, I think. Because in the past, I was already in shape. There was never a gap between when I was playing. Uh, but taking two years off, I was out of shape. I, I hadn't been shooting. My like, I wasn't physically strong um I just didn't really have the touch as much so it took a lot to come back and then I played the season it went really well we were very successful as a team personally I was also successful um and then the summer after the season was really when it was like okay now we're locked in I have to start training like a professional because my goal is by the fall to be gone and that's kind of ultimately what happened so
0: yeah just we kind of blew over it but ted said he was super successful that season just to give some background information he did win player of the year 2018-19 he got our conference is the yscc the yankee small college conference he got first team all conference obviously if you win player of the year and then at a national level we went to the national tournament at the three seed or five five okay five seed and um the national conference is the USCAA, and did you get also first team? Yeah, nationally. So let's not just blow by that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tense, tense was like that. Um, also, just some—I mean—background on you as a player. How how tall would you say you are? Six five. Yeah, six five. Lefty, so naturally tough to guard. Um, you know, pull up is crazy. He can handle the ball well. He's he's scary in transition. Um, he can rebound well. Crazy IQ. So, got a little bit in my bag. A little bit in his got bag. Got a little bit. So, just want you, need you guys to know that Tense was that guy. Still, <laughs> still that guy. Um, but yeah, and then so I know you went to a couple camps as well. So like you went to a, um, it was the Dallas Mavericks G League team. Or you you were supposed to?
1: Yeah, crazy story. So I went to so actually the the Dallas G League tryout came about sort of out of the blue. I was working with this guy, his name's Tyler Yates. Uh, he's a friend of mine from Chicago, and he was just sort of emailing, cold emailing a lot of teams, trying to figure out sort of what you know what would be possible for me. And the Dallas Mavericks G League team emailed him back. They said send us his film. He sent him my film, um, sort of just like my basketball resume, and they basically responded saying we're having a private tryout. We're inviting these ten guys. We want him to be one of them, uh, so we need him to come out to Dallas on, let's say it was September fourteenth. So.
0: And what was the date at the time that you like heard about the news?
1: This was probably August. Sometime in August. Okay. So it was like a month away yeah. when they had said it. Um, and I didn't end up going to the G League tryout because I had already signed in Armenia. Um, just kind of how it worked out. I left on the 13th to go to Armenia and the, the G League tryout would have been the next day. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of a toss up for sure. But yeah, that was, that was kind of an honor to have that happen. But previously before that, I went to the showcase in New York like you were talking about. And uh, I was like, I think one of four, Division three players there.
0: Hmm.
1: Everybody else was a scholarship level athlete. The on my specific team there, there was a point guard from UConn, a forward from I think BU. Um, there was a dude from Rutgers that was we were playing against. So all these guys were either previously professional athletes or Division one yeah. athletes. So it was uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to be there. I. I showed out for sure. I played pretty well.
0: How many guys total you think? Was it hundred or was there was it- four hundred players? Okay, three hundred something. I yeah,
1: three hundred and something. Um, and the way they did it was like you played four games over the weekend. Um, all the games were filmed, and then they essentially calculated your plus minus and like player efficiency based on the games you played. And then at the end of it, they ranked right. everyone. Yeah. And then from there, teams could reach out to you um, to try and sign you, as well as the the showcase was put on by Eurobasket, so they themselves were choosing players to go on their European tour for like further opportunity for people to get signed. So when the rankings came out, I was number seven out of out of those four hundred. So it was kind of crazy. Uh, it was a crazy situation for sure, um,
0: but. It was great. No, that's that's so cool, man. I mean, from a community college, to, to no, for real though, like to, to look at that journey from a community college, really small school in Maine, to then being ranked seventh out of you know three hundred plus guys that are yeah all Division One talents on scholarship. Like that's that's pretty dope.
1: It was a uh, it was cool. The the guy who was the point guard for UConn at the time <clears throat> was on my team, and there was a Division Three guy that we were playing against. And we were on the bench. Our team was up big. Yeah. And uh, he turns to the bench and talks to all of us. And he's like, yeah, I hate when these Division Three players come to these things because, like, they're not getting any looks.
0: And he didn't know you were. Right. <laughs> he's
1: saying that to me, too. And I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, they shouldn't even be out here, like, on the same court as us. <laughs> no, and obviously I'm I'm at the same level. But it was cool to hear that because that was, like, kind of where I realized, like, nah. Yeah. I'm hooping in these dudes. They think I'm on their level, yeah. which I was, so
0: yeah, I mean I think it's it's safe to say like w- like there's so many hoopers at every single level, yeah. you know what i mean it's just it's just a matter of exposure like if you've got cameras around you, you got people around you to then post about it or talk about it, whatever it is, but it, in reality if you if you roll the ball out and you're laced up, whoever it is around like if you like you can hoop, you can hoop
1: and you just need one one game, day yeah. one one game that's you know? it, and then somebody will find you. So,
0: what do you think then? So, obviously, Journey brought you to Armenia. Yeah. What do you think the biggest difference being at the professional level versus college, and how do you think your game transferred from that college level?
1: Yeah, I think the first difference is off the court, which is everyone's getting paid. Mm. So, it adds a new element to basketball. Um, being in Armenia was great, but as a foreign import player, there's an expectation that you're immediately going to help the team win. And if you don't, then we're going to ship you off somewhere else. Um, so I think there was definitely added pressure to that. Um, you know, this is a job now. There's guys on my team in Armenia. I'm coming in, I'm like a single guy, I'm what, 24 at the time. Some of these dudes are 30 with kids, you know, and like they're not trying to give up the ball because they're trying to put food on the table. So it was definitely a a transition to realize, oh, yeah, like we're not playing around anymore. Like this is this is for real. But at the end of the day, basketball is basketball. So, uh, you know, it was it was it wasn't that difficult for me. I'd say playing wise, the biggest transition is a little bit different of a game, shorter shot clock. Um, different ball, different s- sort of style of, of play. Everything is initiated by a ball screen because you don't really have time to get into a set. You know, um, you get over half court after eight seconds, like you got 15 seconds now to, to figure out
0: yeah. what to do. Cause you, you'll, you'll probably be in the back court for,
1: right. So like, it's a little different, seconds. um, the, and and because of that, defensive schemes are way different. Um, how you guard ball ball screens, on offense it's more reads uh, than than you know sets that you're calling. And so for me, I think I benefited from that because I, I was able to sort of find open space, be creative, take shots that I probably wouldn't normally take in a college game that's more structured. Um, but I know for some people it's it's difficult. Uh, especially like you know, if you're a spot-up shooter who doesn't really shoot off the dribble, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more difficult because now everything you're doing is predicated on what other people are doing. But uh it, I enjoyed the, the the switch. There was a lot more transition, which I think is probably where my game is the best. Agreed. So um, I enjoyed that. Definitely took more threes than I've ever taken in a season, without a doubt.
0: But no, it's funny you say you you kind of talked about defense and defense like the defensive scheme is different based on you know we're always playing against uh either transition um or pick and roll so yeah defense has to be a little different and i it's funny because obviously different scale but like an nba level it's like similar very spaced out they're starting with the pick and roll obviously some coaches have like offensive schemes and sets that they have um but you know so many guys or people, whoever in general, say, like, nobody can guard in the NBA. But it's genuinely just so hard with the spacing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can only imagine it's – I'm sure it's similar to a degree at all professional levels. It is.
1: The, the court is definitely spaced out. You're kind of left on an island. But I think the biggest difference, too, is in, a, in college, in high school, when we're getting a ball screen, like, let's say, for example, for you and I at SMCC, like, we're going to hedge the screen and recover. Yeah. Here, they're probably not gonna do that because they're pulling you out so far. So the big's gonna stay back and you're gonna basically ice the screen, force them to go the direction, you know what I mean, that you're trying to get them to go and then play out of that. So because of that, it gives up a lot of, let's say maybe pull up threes from the ball handler, but we're not gonna give up an easy pass to the middle because at that level, they'll carve you up. So it was, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but the, it was also hard because nobody on my team spoke English, so uh, it's hard to learn a new offense, new defense, new style of basketball without being able to communicate. But um, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely an experience.
0: For sure, it kind of gets me right into my next question: like, what was from a lifestyle standpoint? Like, what was your experience living in another country, playing for a different country?
1: Lifestyle standpoint was crazy. I'd never been out of the country, so. I was like culture shocked. Um, Yeah, Armenia is like one of the least English speaking countries in the world. So, And especially in the city that I was in. um, Basically, no one spoke English. So my coach didn't speak English. My teammates, only like one of them spoke English. And that was kind of like broken English. Um, Like some things that were hard when we first got there, you know, we didn't even know how to tell the taxi driver how to take us to our house. Like I didn't know our address like that, or we could only eat at restaurants that had pictures on their menu because we don't even know what you serve. Like, so it was tough. Um, and that sort of made it isolating. Um, luckily I had an American roommate, so I wasn't just completely by myself, but once I got over that, I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed like seeing the culture, um, seeing just sort of, how different it is how how people live um, it's a third world country, so they don't have all the luxuries we have yeah. we walked in the first day to our apartment and I'm like, there's no microwave like you guys don't have a microwave here, and they're like, no we don't that's you know that's not something really we do. We didn't have a dryer for our clothes, everybody just hangs, yeah hangs their clothes on the off the porch, <laughs> so that was crazy, but um I really liked it. I started learning the language. Um, I, I, I went, al- did a lot of sightseeing, um, but it was definitely tough um, to to communicate. The other thing is, people there just love Americans, and specifically Black Americans, because they've never seen Black people. So uh, it was cool to sort of be have like a little bit of a celebrity status at the beginning. Everywhere we went, people wanted to take pictures with us. They wanted to come shake our hands, like touch our hair. Just
0: something way different than what they're yeah,
1: and 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 of course like we're taller than everybody. But after I'd say even a month, it kind of got old. We can't really sit down and just eat. People are coming up to us, so we started taking our food home. Um, So it was it was it was an adjustment, but um, as a place, Armenia was cool. They showed us a lot of love. They had some cool clubs, so it was good.
0: How was the um, the experience of, like, communicating with your coach? Man, it was so... Did they, <clears throat> they didn't have any sort of, like, translator or anything? So we were promised a translator. Yeah.
1: And the translator was there, I'd say, maybe, like, 20% of the time. The rest of the time, they relied on this one guy on our team who didn't really speak English well. So basically what we learned was... We learned... The numbers, well, I learned the numbers one through 10 in Armenian, and uh, that way I could know if they're saying, like, we're going to be in a two three zone, if we're gonna, you know, I don't know, it, it helped to yeah, yeah. know those numbers at least. And then we learned left the word for left and the word for right, so at least we could call out screens. Yep. But other than that, in the timeout, it was basically like I would just stand there and wait. Yeah, I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen uh, Love and Basketball. <laughs> But it's similar to the scene where they're in the locker room, and she walks up to the girl, and she's like, all right, tell me what he said. And she's yeah. like, he said, give the ball to you. It was kind of like that. Like, we just waited till the timeout was over, and then they would be like, okay, let's keep playing, yes. <laughs> and we'd go back out. But practice was more difficult than games, for sure, because um, in the game, we kind of knew what we needed to do.
0: You just hoop, yeah. Yeah,
1: but in practice, it was, you know, we don't really even know the stretches, the drills, so...
0: Yeah. Um so I think the last thing if you don't mind obviously no, let's, um let's do it. playing overseas as much as you want to talk about like the financial situation cuz you and I had talked about like Armenia isn't the most sought out right. professional league. Right. Um, it's not like the highest level. I think it's probably obviously NBA, I know China's on the upcoming. Yeah, EuroLeague. League, like the NBL in Australia, like right. those are like pretty like high level leagues. Not to say that you are League wasn't high level, obviously, but it wasn't. (laughs) But definitely, the way that you were talking about, like the the administrative process and the business aspect of it, it seems like it was a little lackluster. So, if you don't mind, um, like a real life, you know, yeah, no perspective
1: to to yeah to to keep it real. um, So, it seems like players go to Armenia to get professional experience and then move on. And so even throughout the season, we would see American players on other teams and then they would be gone and they'd play somewhere else. And similarly, my roommate and I were thinking the same thing. um, And we were planning on leaving Armenia to go play elsewhere uh, before the pandemic happened. So because of that, like they're not really paying people at the level that you think you would be getting paid as a professional athlete. Yep. So, for example, for me, I paid for my own flight. They paid for all my housing, all my food, my transportation to and from, the gym, practices, things like that. They gave us a little bit of spending money. Um, and then on top of that, I got paid like $500 U.S. Dollars a month. So, if you think about that, like I just did... Four years of school, I have student loans, I have, I don't know, let's say you have a car payment, whatever, like, $500 really is not, you know, you can't really live off that. Um,
0: In Armenia, though, like, what is... Obviously, in Armenia,
1: five hundred US dollars.
0: We were we were living big spender. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> luckily, I didn't have a lot of expenses back home, so I was able to take the contract. I know some other people who took contracts to get no money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Which I would have done too. I mean, I played still, still playing pro. Yeah, I played four years of college basketball, getting paid zero. So That's true. I would do it. Um. But five hundred. I think in Armenia it was one US dollar was five hundred of their dollars. So, um. We could really do anything uh, that we wanted to just off of that 500, um, but obviously bringing that home, you're not yeah. you're not bringing
0: anything you back. Didn't really profit much whenever you came back home,
1: right? So it's kind of a it's kind of a it's a game. I mean, I I worked with my agent to to try and figure out. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna lowball on this first deal, and we're just gonna grind it out in Armenia, knowing that we'll get the film, and then we'll move on. Right before the pandemic happened, I was planning on leaving Armenia to go to Thailand. And the deal that I would have done in Thailand would have been like, you know, multi-thousand dollars a month to play there for the rest of that season. So it definitely is sort of a stepping stone, I think. There are some players in Armenia. There's one guy who played in the G League and then he came back to Armenia and just kind of like cashed out and lives there with his family And he actually makes a lot, but he's okay with playing at that level because he found where he can play and sort of where it's still competitive. Yeah. And I think that's like sort of the thing for everyone is some people are looking to move up. They're looking to make money. They're looking to get rich off of it or eventually have dreams to get into the NBA, China, NBL. And then some people just want to find a league where it's consistently competitive to their level and they can continue to play and live off of. And so uh, I think for any young guys that are looking to, to go pro I, the advice I would give you is try and figure out what that is for you and be realistic because you can progress and there's so many leagues everywhere, but I think it's less so about trying to make it to the NBA make it to this, you know, wherever and really understand you kind of already made it wherever you're at and you just want to find somewhere where you can get paid well, you enjoy your like life outside of basketball, and you're able to play at like a competitive level for you. So
0: no, for sure. And I, I appreciate you you know being open about that because I didn't know. Just in case if you didn't want to yeah, no, talk sure. about the uh, let's finance. keep it real. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's kind of what I want to do on the podcast. And um, for me, obviously being your teammate and your friend. It's cool because I also played at a community college level. So if anybody out there is thinking like I'm just not good enough to go play professionally or continue my my career as a basketball player, like just take a step back, take a deep breath and recognize like you there's a place for everybody to play. Right. Whether that's a community college and that doesn't have to be the end point. Community college for tents even was, like you said, a stepping stone. It was just a gate to a bigger Scale And now, I mean, he went from a community college to division three to, I mean, every single platform that you played on, like you were very successful, but from a community college to D3 to now these large, you know, camps and everything with 300 plus people for you to be seventh ranked and averaging however many points throughout however many games and every single scale, you just, you were able to be successful and make the most out of your op- your your opportunities and for you to then go play professionally and make money playing basketball, the right. game that you love, you know what I mean? At some degree, you were able to profit a little bit and just, especially in Armenia, like you said, like one U.S. dollar is 500 Armenian dollars. So it's like you were able to live pretty luxurious out there. Right. So um, even if it's one year, like that was a goal that you had and you obtained no matter what, by any means, you know what I mean? So Right. Anybody out there who's feeling a little discouraged, um, feeling like quitting, just keep pushing because you never know. You never know.
1: Yeah, and also, nobody makes it there without putting in the work. I mean, I know Absolutely. everybody probably says that, but there's some dudes that I know that played pro who like are not naturally talented. They only got there because they live in the gym. And for me, I have a lot of like, natural ability for sure but if if i thought from my senior year i'll just be good enough eventually it probably wouldn't have happened you know so it really did take a lot of work and i think for anybody else that's trying to do that like it's there put in the work like i know dudes that were at that showcase with me that were 30 28 i was 24 now i'm 26 like it doesn't really matter if, if you're past your prime, if you're if you feel like you're too old, whatever. Like, you can always just work. Like at the end of the day, if you can hoop, then somebody will find you. So oh, yeah. you just gotta grind.
0: And it, yeah, it's really just about putting your mind to it because you can really accomplish anything you want. Um, but with that being said, you said putting in work. So obviously, this podcast is very focused on you know performance and basketball specifically. But I'm I'm curious while in Armenia. Um, was there an emphasis, if any, on strength and conditioning, sports performance? Were there skills trainers there? Was there a guy dedicated on the team to all that stuff, or was it just the coach? Like, what what was that kind of uh, process like in Armenia? Let me let me get closer to the mic so you don't get this twisted.
1: There was none, zero. <laughs> they didn't even have a resistance band. Oh. Nah, uh, in Armenia there was absolutely no strength and conditioning. Um, There was no emphasis really on taking care of your body outside of basketball. There was no uh, conversations or, you know, drills, activities, anything that put emphasis on getting stronger, getting faster, getting your core right, Uh, you know, making sure what you're putting inside your body is going to help you. It was none of that. part of that is I was on a team that didn't have a lot of resources. Yeah. Di- you know, different from college where every school kind of has similar type of resources, here it's like somebody owns this team. Yeah. And so we're the, the 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 poor team, you know, that doesn't really have all the stuff. Other teams, you know, they got like four athletic trainers and and strength and conditioning coaches and all that. So in Armenia, there was none of that, and um, it was kind of like do it on your own. So if uh,
0: you knew anything about, yeah, Nigeria.
1: exactly. <laughs> if you know anything, um, and so for for me and my roommate, that meant a lot of just like traditional lifting in the gym. We did have a gym available to us, so there's a lot of traditional lifting in the gym and using whatever we had learned from college to try and help us. Um, but once we kind of got into the swing of the season, that happened a lot less. Um, even at practice, it would be a lot less. I will say though, on the other foot, skill development—we did do a lot of skill development. <clears throat> excuse me, and like individual skill development. We had a coach there who previously coached in America at like a, I think it was like at like a prep school. Um, and he spoke a little bit of English, so he was with us usually when we practiced. He actually coached the youth team of our club. Yeah. Um, so when, when he would come, we would do individual work, uh, working on specific you know, elements of the game. So I was actually very impressed with that, but in terms of the strength and conditioning, there was none, for sure. Yeah,
0: and I mean... That's a problem. <laughs> obviously obviously like you are a product of your owner in that situation, but um yeah, that's wild. That there's like not even talks about like, hey, like let's go get some broccoli and you No. Eat something green.
1: Man, <laughs> get some no. lean meat. You know, like not We would even... no, we would win a game and they would they would be taking shots of vodka.
0: Yeah. I mean and obviously that has a lot to do yeah, with Yeah, there's like, cultural differences. Cu- yeah, that's very differently like very different culturally, but it's uh, it's interesting to look at and i mean i guess just for sake of you know argument and conversation was that much different because i know obviously like our experience at sm um coach c, c- was there so he would do a little bit more crossfit based stuff to right. a lot of stuff um which you know is is cool it's still some sort of stimulus there for you guys absolutely for us and um what was what was the uh the process like at USM like did you guys have strength and conditioning coach there obviously ATs and
1: yeah at USM we did we had a strength and conditioning coach um basically what they do is they at the time they had i think it was two strength and conditioning coaches that worked with like all the sports yeah so because of that it, we didn't have someone specifically dedicated to basketball but there's this guy Tom Knight who played at Notre Dame he went to I think Deergo in Maine. Um, and he was trying to like sort of start his coaching career. And he came back and worked with us at USM as the strength and conditioning coach. And that was actually really great because, like you said before, we had Coach Seashon at SMCC. And it was great because he actually probably was the first coach that introduced me to lifting and understanding that it was important to be physically strong in yeah. order to elevate your game it was cool with tom because he brought some some things that he did with the team at notre dame and we did them at usm so it just kind of felt like we were sort of running it like a division one program um and i can tell absolutely that it translated because i had probably one of the best seasons i've ever had and i was definitely like my body felt the best i had essentially no injuries that season my recovery was 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 quick because we were actually doing things to recover um when we would take like our day off we would actually do nothing you know, and so and they made an emphasis on the things we were eating, so I felt like at u s m they really they had us right for sure
0: no that's that's dope, and I think um obviously like we'll talk about that i'll I'll talk about that a lot more on this podcast, but like I mean like tense just said. <laughs> lifting does a lot you know what i mean it's you, you you feel a little bit stronger with the ball in your hand whether you're a post player guard whatever it is you feel faster stronger your recovery' there um even if there's a little because strength and conditioning coaches performance guys they're not nutritionists they're not dietitians so they're not allowed to prescribe certain meal plans or whatever but they can give you insight on what's good because they had to take nutrition classes and you know good coaches still do their due diligence and some research on nutrition stuff so to, for them to at least you know guide you towards you know we just got a heavy lifting go get your carbs in immediately get some protein in you later tonight drink another protein shake before you go to bed because we need the protein in order to recover properly and all this good stuff it's, it's cool that um even at a division three level there's there's good stuff going on um but like you said it did increase your gain you could feel it so how much of an impact do you feel like? strength and conditioning made, and I guess another way to word it, because you already kind of mentioned it, how much of an impact do you think it would have made if you had been exposed to that properly, like, a little bit earlier, maybe in high school?
1: Oh, I think it would be way different.
0: You think you would still be at SM?
1: (laughs) Uh, Maybe. I might still be at SMCC, uh, only because I, I I basically didn't grow until I got to SMCC. Okay. So when I got to SMCC, I think I was 61 and now I'm like 65. So while I was there I grew. Um, so I not not to say that like I wouldn't have been my game wouldn't have been more elevated had I done that earlier. I just think as a person I really didn't develop till later. But definitely if I was exposed to strength and conditioning from when I started you know, let's say from senior year on I think I probably would have played somewhere else besides USM but I don't know I mean maybe I definitely think it would have it would have elevated my game without a doubt I don't know if it meant that I would have gone somewhere else but um definitely I would have I think it would have been I would have been a more effective player for sure
0: cool um and then as far as like performance training how exposed were you to like skills trainers before, I mean, Armenia and, I guess, USM?
1: Not really. Uh, my sophomore year, so after my freshman year, going into my sophomore year, we didn't have Coach AJ yet. Yeah. So shout, was, out, shout out Coach AJ. Except, <laughs> shout out Coach AJ. So it was just Coach Richards. Um, and Coach Richards worked with me essentially every day of that summer. Um, and that was probably the first time I had ever done any skills training. Yep. But just that alone elevated me significantly to the point where I was all American the next year, all conference. Um, we, you know, we, we had a lot of success that season, and I think it was a, a lot to do with me developing as a, an individual player. So uh, I think skill development is detrimental to how I've become a player, but I do think that it kind of it could have been more, it could have been different. I'm a little bit biased now because you've been giving me resources. I've been watching a lot of a lot of you know information listening to different things about the different types of training skills training, and I can just sort of see how the way that I was taught to gain skill is different than how I probably would do it now. Um, but that's not to say that you know, it wasn't, it it still helped me. I think it could have been a little bit more helpful for sure.
0: No, just to give some background, like I said earlier, like I'll get into all this kind of stuff on other episodes in the podcast, but um, Coach Richards is um, a a very traditional dude. So absolutely nothing wrong with that time and place for everything. Um, Everybody has their own way of doing things, but um, for, for more novice athletes, your traditional block practice definitely has, um, benefits and any kind of training any kind of stimulus that you do for like a novice athlete brand new athlete not saying that you were a brand new athlete but you were someone who wasn't really exposed to yeah i was novice (laughs) at that point maybe so like just any sort of stimulus like any sort of skill development type training is going to help so that's dope and i think like you said you mentioned you're kind of getting being exposed to like different types of training so like blocked versus versus random Coach Richards does more blocked, where it's like I'm just gonna rep out one move constantly. Absolutely, I'm gonna sit five spot shooting. We're gonna get ten shots at five spots on the key, which has its time and place. It's 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 good. It obviously helped you. Um, but a question I have for you is, what kind of training do you think you wish had more? You wish you had more access to blocked or random? And to give some background on random practice, it's kind of the opposite of blocked. So it's like you're going to not get the same shot every time, but it's going to be, so say you're 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 working on a one a one dribble pull up. So you're getting that shot every single time, but the dribble is gonna be different. The spacing, the pace, it's gonna be different every single time. So you're gonna get reps without repping out the same exact move every single time. Right. Which one do you think you, or which one do you wish you had more access to?
1: Uh, Yeah, As a, I think because of the style of play that I play, I wish that I had more random skills training. Um, if if my game was a set, not to say that it would matter what type of player you are, but I think if I was a catch-and-shoot player, if I just shot threes, maybe I just want to put up shots all the time regardless. I definitely want to put myself in a situation that's game-like, but because that's not how I play, it's it's... Almost more important for me to be good at decision making, yeah. Um, and I think it's hard to learn how to do decision making when I'm dribbling at a chair and crossing over, and then you know taking a shot. So I definitely think if I had more of the random skill development, where I'm I'm put in a situation where there's a problem and I have to find the solution every time, I think that would just make me a better player overall. So yeah I wish I was exposed to that as early as possible for sure
0: yeah and I mean a lot of a lot of the research and literature that I read for sure definitely kind of um exposes the benefits of that and like the transferability of random practice to live games because it is so similar to a live game you're getting like you said you have to, you're presented a problem you have to solve that problem and that's just like a real game whether that's audio cues or You know, if I'm getting in front of you, you have to react off of me as a player. Um, But, you know, time and place for everything. Block practice works in certain situations, and it's better for maybe like a very light day. You just need to increase some confidence, and um, I'll get into that on a later date. But it's interesting that just intuitively you feel like you need... Or you you wish that you had some more random practice, because maybe that would have been a little bit better um, without any sort of, you know prior knowledge to right actual skill acquisition and development, which I know you said you've been diving into it, which is dope.
1: Yeah, just recently, though. So, yeah. it's a new journey.
0: But to kind of get into my my last question for you, placebo is real. So, whatever sure. you feel like is working is is going to work. And it's going to do a lot of justice for you. <clears throat> but um, placebo has to do with you know your mental and um, how much of your game and the reason you were so success- successful as a player. Do you you know kind of credit to your confidence because you're a very confident individual and um what's i'll I'll have you answer that first like how much do you credit to your confidence
1: yeah i mean i i credit a lot of it to my confidence and it's i didn't think of myself as a confident player all the time yeah i think there is a switch that turned where like i got that dog in me like all right i'm not gonna lose um But I think a lot of it is confidence. I know a lot of players that actually are very skilled, like have the skill, but they're just not confident when they get on the court. Like I think there's a big difference between players in practice or in pickup and then players when the lights are on. And some people thrive in that environment. And I don't know if it's just the love of the game or if it's confidence or what, but I definitely think myself being confident has brought me further than I probably would have if I wasn't.
0: Yeah. There's there's like a there's a concept about like irrational confidence in sports and just athletes being like irrationally confident. And we have like I'll name drop. Matt Kenna is our friend you know what I mean yeah. I feel like he's one of those dudes who's like irrationally confident doesn't even like he go up against LeBron and I feel like you're the same dude you know what I mean like yeah just like irrationally like I'm about to beat him 11 to 0 like and For that sure. shit goes a long way though because yeah. if you're able to like really mentally feel like yo I'm I'm about to kill this guy in ones you're at least, like even if you don't get there like if you score seven points on LeBron James like for sure, no, you're, I, you're you're succeeding in that situation. So. I think
1: every <laughs> NBA player, not every one of them, but a lot of them, like they have that confidence. Absolutely, I think I've probably never. I think I I could I could think I could confidently say, <clears throat> playing, at the community college level, at the Division three level, and at the professional level, I could confidently say I've never gone into a game thinking I was going to lose ever. Oh yeah, and I remember this dude asked me one time I was working at Under Armour. He was like. Oh, if you and Steph Curry played a game to eleven, yeah, who like what do you think the score would be? Is what he said, and I was like, who gets the ball first? And he was like, you get the ball first. And I was like, all right, it'll probably be eleven to zero. Like I'm gonna win yeah. every time. And obviously, I mean, shout out Steph Curry. Like that dude is is the goat. But I definitely think confidence is is a big deal. I've probably missed I don't know maybe like between twelve and fifteen game winners. Yeah. In my over my career, um, but I'll take it again. It again I'll right take it here. again for sure because I made some. But also, I just want to be the guy taking the shot. So I think confidence is huge. Um, sometimes it's hard to get. I would say for anybody la- like you know struggling with confidence, the thing I always say is like hitting shots always always changes it. Like yep. if you can hit a shot, your confidence goes up. If you have confidence issues, like a lot of that is probably just score the ball and then yep. you'll feel confident but sometimes it's just some block that you got to pass like get past to realize i'm really that dude and i'm about to show it right now
0: but not for sure and you kind of just answer like the continuation of that question but um if you have maybe like two other pieces of advice for someone struggling with confidence on the court and um you know i consider you like for sure an intellect and i know you consider yourself an intellect so i view it as like if you're not confident on the basketball court there might be something going on in your regular day right so like if you're just an insecure person and nothing wrong with that man Everybody is insecure at some point everybody's got shit going on but maybe what are some things that you can do that maybe you've dealt with or you've experienced um from like a lifestyle standpoint that definitely like helped going into confidence onto the court
1: yeah, that's a really good question because I know it is something that a lot of people struggle with. I think it's it's tough. Sometimes you really can't get past it. I agree. It's a lot of times maybe something that's off the court. Um, I think you just have to focus on one thing. You know, when when I've coached fifth and sixth graders and they're not that great. You know, it's hard at halftime to be like, hey guys, you know, we're gonna win, even though we're down 40, Yeah. you know? But what you can focus on is, all right, on these next possessions, we're gonna make five passes before we shoot, you know? Yeah. And now, they get a little bit of a win, they're like, okay, we, we did that, we made five passes, and then we scored, and now we're gonna do it again. So I think for me, the times that I've felt not confident, or what I would say to other people is like, just find, find a win, find something you can focus on. All right, this next possession, he's not going to score the ball at all. He's not going to get the ball. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to I'm going to shut him down from getting this pass. Boom, I did that. Maybe I didn't do what I wanted to do in the game. I didn't score 25 points, but I found a small win along the way that was able to help me elevate my confidence. Yep. Um, and I think I think the big thing is just not to think too much, you know? Like in basketball at least, the reason I play Is because I love to win, but also, like, it's just the most fun thing I could possibly think of doing. And when I let go of all the other other stuff, all the other expectations, what my coaches want me to do, my girlfriend's in the stands, my friends are here to watch me, and I got to show out. I want to get a scholarship, so, you know, this game, I have to do it. You know, we're down, and, and everybody's looking at me to score. Like, all that shit, like, just leave it. And just focus on enjoying the game because once you do that, like, win or lose, you're enjoying it. If you watch, like, the best players in the world play, the reason they're not rattled when it's, like, three seconds left and the other team just hit a dagger is because they're like, this is the most fun time I could be in, you know? Like, I'd rather be there than up 50 and I'm on the bench watching the, the subs play you know yeah. what I mean like so I think in those scenarios it's like if you could just focus on loving this then
0: you might find some you know some some confidence there no I agree 100% and I think to to piggyback off that um, I was having a conversation with this guy yesterday is uh, Martin Andrea and um him and I were talking about perspective and it's like if you think about the perspective of players who are like basketball is everything, like truly identify with like ball's life, mm-hmm. which is dope. and I mean like you everybody has that m- mindset at some point, but it's like if you can change the perspective from like, this is my life, if I fail, if I turn this ball over, if I lose this game, like my life is over right. If you're looking at it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, whatever you do, that's negative. It sucks like you're right you're gonna be torn but if you can just change your perspective and whether that's reading a book or listening to a podcast or going outside more getting some fresh air whatever it is whatever works for you like if you can change that perspective to it's it's just basketball I love basketball I love playing basketball then like maybe a turnover really doesn't mean shit you know right. what I mean so it's like maybe you can be more confident in certain things and I I love a a quote from uh I, I'm gonna paraphrase but like a quote from Damian Lillard he, like somebody asked him like, How do you stay so cool in like crunch time, like game time situations? And he was like, Man, there's there's mothers out there that have to work at four AM every single day to feed their children. And he was like, I'm literally just playing basketball. Like, right. And like I said, I'm paraphrasing That's not like word for word, but it was something along that line. And it's like, if you can just change your perspective, it's like I get to play basketball every day. I don't That's- have to play basketball every day. It's um it, I think it goes a long way. Nah, definitely. But all right, those were like the main beaten potato questions. So, we'll finish up with a uh, little speed round. So, okay, format of the speed round is gonna be um, as quick as you can give me your answer, and then you have however long to kind of digress into the question and um, let me know. So, first okay. question: Steph or Kyrie, better player? And you know, very subjective for sure so who do you think is the better player and who would you pick as your point guard on your team alright better player has got to be Steph uh, very similar
1: between the two Steph I think is a better shooter I'm a little biased because Kyrie left the Celtics so I, I'm i not a fan but uh, at the end of the day I'd have to pick Steph he's the best shooter of all time he got the handle he can finish around the basket just like Kyrie I will say Kyrie is a great one on one player but I'd pick Steph
0: Right. All right, um, next one. Better defender, Drew Holiday or Kawhi Leonard? Whew.
1: I think Drew Holiday has gotten a lot of hype recently for being a great defender, and he is a phenomenal defender. But I gotta go with Kyrie. I mean, uh, Kawhi, Kawhi. Sorry, uh, Kawhi. Man, he could guard anybody,
0: one through five. For sure, and he's proved it. He does. He does have like a couple inches on Drew, yeah. as far as height goes. And he's proved it, man. He's yeah.
1: he's he's went up against the best scorers basically of all time, and held them. So, no, nothing against you, Drew. If you're listening to this, I
0: still love you. But Kawhi, the claw—that's the dude. Yeah, personally, I think I gotta go, Drew. I love I love Drew Holiday, but um, I respect it. Obviously, Kawhi is like, I mean top five defender of all time. Got to be, right? Yeah, Maybe top to three. Um, all right, so next one, just to preface this question, I would go MJ or Braun, but uh, Tense is a diehard LeBron fan. I got
1: the Bron jersey next to you right there. It's actually
0: next to me, so I already know the answer to that one. So third question going to be MJ or Kobe. Whoo! I got to go MJ.
1: Kobe was my favorite player of all time before LeBron came around, but... I can't disrespect Michael Jordan for sure. Um, It's a tough question because it is similar, and I think I think Kobe's entire game and entire career is like made after Michael's. So they're very similar, but I think Mike is is he's got something nobody else has for For sure.
0: And I mean, when you put it like that, it is it is tough to go. Kobe because it's like well Kobe wouldn't be Kobe without MJ right so and he basically
1: did the same thing he just didn't he didn't three-peat the second time that's true it's so. true maybe if he had one more ring yeah all
0: right to Kobe um all right so I like this one who do you think your game most resembles and then I mean let, let's let's go NBA all time like who do you think your game most resembles
1: uh I don't know man maybe maybe uh Kyle Anderson, slow mo Anderson. Kyle Anderson. <laughs> nah, uh, uh, people have said that because I I have like a slow game, but I don't know. Um, I really like to get out in transition. I like to to play fast. I like how Paul George plays, but I'm not as much of a one on one player. You know who I think? Well, yeah. About? What do you think?
0: I was just I I honestly didn't have an answer because like you're a lefty as well, so I feel like that kind of yeah. <laughs> you know puts you in a weird category. Yeah with your height and like athletic qualities and all this stuff but like Tayshon Prince.
1: Yeah, bro. I was going to say Tayshon Prince cuz he's lefty, he's yeah. skinny. He gets after it for sure. I would take that.
0: I think I'll take that for I sure. I think that's actually pretty solid uh comparison. Yeah. All right. Um five. One NBA player you always thought you were better than. Oh.
1: Oh, okay. เKintavis Caldwell-Pope right now. You already know. Without a doubt
0: Hey shout out Garbage Shout out Colwell Pope though. Get him off the league bro <laughs> Alright uh, Or Glenn Davis Him too Big baby He can see me I think I'm better Than Kyle Kuzma um, <laughs> 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 He's dropped right now though Nah Nah for real though This year he's been He's been yeah. moving, so. But like last year I don't take it back
1: though. Like two years Two years ago Kuz You think you're better than him
0: Yeah Yeah Even like rookie year summer league coups where he was going crazy yeah when they won the summer summer championship i don't care yeah (laughs) (laughs) just one of those dudes also ben simmons
1: oh yeah well you
0: can shoot so it's true all right six um so two options here and i'm actually interested to hear your opinion because i know mine or my my choice so you'd get a hundred and 1.2 million dollars to be an nba bench warmer. okay or you'd get eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars For being an overseas player, averaging twenty-eight points per game, and bench warmer, I mean, obviously you're a bench warmer, so maybe if you get in, you average like two a game.
1: I'm not really getting in the game,
0: right? Really not getting in the game.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll choose the eight fifty and be a star. I don't really care too much about the money. Eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars is so much
0: money, bro. And I feel like it's not a big enough difference. It's so much money, but like one point two mil. 850,000 like it's not that much of a difference so and and the other thing too is just from seeing it in Armenia I was in
1: um, Russia for a second and like just hearing from other players from other places overseas like you are really your city's hero for when you play at a team like that if I'm getting paid 850 I'm at a big I'm in a big market
0: probably like the NBL or something right
1: I'm I'm that guy so it's essentially like you're an all-star in the NBA yeah. in that country in that region. I'm 1000% picking that.
0: I that was that was going to be my choice as well. Yeah. And it's like you and I have had a conversation about like money too. So it's like $850,000 a lot. Like I'm I'm I've never seen no. I probably won't see that. I'm kind never of working money. again. You no. know what I mean? So it's like it's like I legitimately I probably live off of like 12,000 a year right now you know what I mean so it's like (laughs) it's like not for long not for long not for long but like right now yeah I'd have to some people
1: they've done it before where they'll be like would you rather be like the bench warmer on the winning team yeah yeah yeah. like on the Warriors let's say or like the best player on like a team team. that always loses and that's kind of a toss up but I think I'd rather as a competitor I'd rather hoop play yeah and i i want to win but i don't want to get carried so
0: no no i i gotta not if the
1: alternative is still to play
0: no i i gotta agree with you with that one all right so this one i like this one too including yourself yep what other five players all time and they're in their primes are you picking to be on your squad to win the nba finals so you get four as your starting lineup you're in the starting lineup and then you get one for your sixth man okay
1: first i'll pick lebron okay oh wait all time all time or currently playing all time, all and, time. and
0: they're all in their prime so there's all time prime LeBron all right prime whoever
1: I'm taking Bron as my point guard okay are you the two I'll play the two because I'm small uh six five I'll take I'll take Kobe as my three and I'm I apologize for what's about to happen I'll actually you know what I'll take MJ as my three I'll take Katie at the four I'll take Shaq at the 5, and Kobe can come off the bench, and he can get me at the 4-minute like, the mark.
0: I'm not upset with that. Yeah. But it is kind of suspect that you, you said Steph was the best point guard and not even on the list. But,
1: so. Yeah, well, that's because I got to I gotta fit my boy Braun. If I wasn't on the team, Steph would be on that team.
0: That's fair, though. That's fair. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's cool you got basically the three goats, supposedly, yeah. and Kobe, MJ. Caleb, what, what, would you, what would be yours? I wasn't prepared, but... All right, I, I, I would have to be the point guard because I'm short, right? So I'm point guard. I think I got to go. I got to go Kobe at my two. I got to go Bron on my three. I think I got to go KD at my four as well. Shaq as my five. Who was your five? It's Shaq. Shaq as well. All right, so me, Kobe, Bron, Durant, Shaq. Coming off the bench, Steph, come get me.
1: Damn, Mike. He said, "I don't even care about you." But Steph, Steph's that dude.
0: I almost picked Clay because he he would hit on anybody. That's true. And like MJ, like I just MJ just wasn't my era. So it's like I'm not. It's not even me saying like, "Oh, MJ isn't as good." I just grew up more so with Kobe. Yeah, I'd rather
1: I'd rather play with the players I like.
0: So that's just more bias. Not even going based on like necessarily who's like the best of the best because that conversation is there all the time. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's tough. It's just very subjective. It's hard. It's very based on your age, era, all this stuff. So I'm
1: surprised you didn't pick who's
0: (sighs) never. Uh, all right. So last one I got for you is, you know, end of the year or new year just came around 2022. What is, what, what is your biggest goal for 2022? And this isn't really a speedrun question. Yeah, take take biggest, as much time as you want. Biggest
1: goal. I, you know what's crazy? I'm not like I've never been the type that has like resolutions every year. Yeah. <clears throat> but one thing I have been thinking about is I want to read more this year. Um But I want to read more not for fiction. You know, like right. I want to read more to like essentially just build my knowledge um, in in whatever area that is I have a new sales job. I want to start reading a lot of, you know, things on the next position I'm trying to get. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to start doing more coaching things with you more skill acquisition things. So I want to read more about the the literature on on the actual psychology of, of skill acquisition of random skill training. Um, I want to read more about COVID-19 and, like, you know, what's going on. Like, I just want to be able to build my knowledge more. And I think in a world right now where I just go from screen to screen, uh, I really want to just take time out to, like, read, educate myself and, like, have that be something that I personally think of as
0: um like a priority yeah like a priority Priority.
1: exactly and not just like let me do this because this is school or this is this
0: but this is what's in right now. yeah
1: and like some of you guys might not know this but tyler does a lot of reading for that exact purpose and that's something i definitely admire so i definitely want to steal that from you and kind of add that to something that
0: i do well i appreciate that man and i think it's a great goal i think um you know, it was, it was in there real quick, but you said, you know, train with TC performance and, uh, Tyler Clark. So who knows, maybe he'll be on <laughs> some, uh, some videos. I'll be back. Might, uh, be building a franchise here with, with, with Atencio Martin, who knows, but, um, don't go. I think reading is super important. And, um, for those who don't like to read physical books, him and I are both big audio guys, yeah. big audio book guys. So, um, you know, listen to an audio book, listen to a podcast like the TCP per, uh, tcp podcast great great listens yeah. um but yeah man i think that's dope and i think you really can't go wrong with reading more because vocabulary goes up brain capacity goes up like, right whatever it is um i think i feel like a little bit more grounded too whenever i read like like you say, get away from a screen feel like a human being you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> not just virtual all the time so i like it um tense i appreciate you coming on man and uh We'll have to see what the, the audience says. Maybe we'll get you back on for another one at a later date. That would be awesome, man. Thanks for having me. It's been great. I'll definitely be
1: listening, keeping up with everything that you're putting out. I appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, make sure to tune in to more podcasts coming up, uh, videos coming out, um, Instagram posts. That's probably where I'm, I'm most at right now is Instagram. I'm getting on TikTok a little bit. Follow me on Instagram at tc period performance underscore um yeah appreciate you guys for listening peace